Well, today we open up to Numbers chapter 5, and we're going to wrap up this chapter today, uh, but we are going to go through a much lengthier uh, section of Scripture. And so we're continuing this three-part study in chapter 5 of Numbers, and uh, I'm calling it Disfellowshipped Under the Law. And so this is part three, and this is adultery. This is adultery. Now, again, this, this is specific instruction we're going to see that was under the Old Covenant law. It has many things to teach us, um, foreshadowing really what would come in the New Covenant under Christ. But the truth, I think, that I want to acknowledge from the beginning today is this. There still is disfellowshipping with the Lord and his people because of adultery. Sadly, this is not a new issue. It's not something that has vanished just because we're no longer under the law. Sadly, many are still distanced from the Lord and others because of this particular sin. So the Lord has uh, talked about uncleanliness. He uncleanliness, excuse me. He's talked about what we called uh, being genuinely sorry, having uh, a true sorrow and, and seeking restoration, having the right heart, walking through a process of sorrowing over your sin and seeking restoration and reconciliation. And now we get to this particular thing that deals with adultery. So let's look at uh, the instruction the Lord gave to the Israelites on this matter. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, starting in verse 11, going to the end of the chapter, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, If any man's wife goes astray and behaves unfaithfully toward him, and a man lies with her carnally, and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband, and it is concealed that she has defiled herself, and there was no witness against her, nor was she caught, if the spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he becomes jealous of his wife who has defiled herself. Or if the spirit of jealousy comes upon him and he becomes jealous of his wife, although she has not defiled herself. So, so let me pause right there. In other words, this guy is jealous either because something just comes over him that something doesn't seem right. Or he suspects that something isn't right. He, he thinks his wife's cheating on him. Okay, let, let me just kind of put it in today's language. Let's go on in verse 15. So this is what the man feels. This is what he's supposed to do. Verse 15. Then the man shall bring his wife to the priest, and he shall bring... Uh, pardon me. He shall bring his wife to the priest. He shall bring the offering required for her one-tenth of an ephah of barley meal. He shall pour no oil on it and put no frankincense on it. Because it is a grain offering of jealousy, an offering for remembrance, for bringing iniquity to remembrance. Now, I want to pause right there. We've talked in the past about oil and how oil many times in Scripture represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, again, we're speaking kind of broadly. If oil was symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit, that's absent from this particular thing that's going to take place. In other words... There's no blessing of the Spirit upon this offering. This particular offering, it clearly says, is for bringing iniquity to remembrance. It's an offering of jealousy. Okay, so let's continue. Verse 16. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. 
So remember, this is a situation in which the wife has committed adultery and there's been no witnesses. The husband has no real evidence. He's just suspecting this thing. And it goes on in verse 17. The, the, the priest has brought her before the Lord. So into God's presence, she's been hiding this sin. Now what does the Bible say? The priest shall take holy water in an earthen vessel and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it into the water. Then the priest shall stand before the Lord and uncover the woman's head. And I won't, I won't get into all of that, but that's that's a symbol of, of exposure. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks at length about the importance uh, in the context of Corinth uh, for women to be covering their heads and how this was a symbol. And Again, Middle Eastern culture was a, a big part of that, I believe. Um, and I, So I won't get into that whole discussion today. But uncovering a woman's head, he's brought her into the presence of the Lord, she's sitting before the Lord, and he un uncovers her head, or has her uncover her head. And we're going to see what continues. So that's an idea of exposure. You're uncovered before the Lord. Again, j just your head. It's not in an immodest way or anything like that. Uh, verse 18. Then the priest shall stand before, stand the woman before the Lord, uncover the woman's head, and put the offering for remembering in her hands. Uh, so yeah, it appears there the priest is the one that you know pulls the veil back or whatever. Um, he puts this offering in her hands, which is the grain offering of jealousy. And the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water, because he's put put dirt in it. He's put dust off the floor. It's bitter. He shall have in his hand the bitter water that brings a curse. And the priest shall put her under oath and say to the woman, If no man has lain with you, and if you have not gone astray in uncleanliness while under your husband's authority, be free from this bitter water that brings a curse. But if you have gone astray while under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself with some man other than your husband has lain with you, then the priest shall put the woman under the oath of the curse, and he shall say to the woman, The Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people. When the Lord makes your thigh rot and your belly swell, and may this water that causes your curse, causes the curse, go into your stomach and make your belly swell and your thigh rot. Then the woman shall say, Amen, so be it. So, so notice the crux of this. If she has been hiding adultery, she is to repeat... Amen. May God justly enact a curse if I'm hiding my sin. Okay, so if she has, she, she should confess it by now. But if you're brazen in this, notice the very strict curse that will come. So it goes on to say in verse 23, Then the priest shall write these curses in a book, and he shall scrape them off into the bitter water. And he shall make the woman drink the bitter water that brings a curse, and the water that brings a curse shall enter into her to become bitter. Then the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy from the woman's hand, shall wave the offering before the Lord and bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the offering as its memorial portion, burn it on the altar, and afterward make the woman drink the water. Verse 27, When he has made her drink the water, then it shall be, if she has defiled herself, and behaved unfaithfully toward her husband that the water that brings a curse will enter her and will become and become bitter and her belly will swell and her thigh will rot and the woman will become a curse among her people but if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean then she shall be free and may conceive children 
This is the law of jealousy when a wife under her husband's authority goes astray and defiles herself or when the spirit of jealousy comes upon a man and he becomes jealous of his wife, then he shall stand the woman before the Lord and the priest shall execute all this law upon her. Then the man shall be free from iniquity, but that woman shall bear her guilt. Now, I know that some people may initially be looking at this passage and say, okay, this is talking about adultery, but why does it only talk about the lady? Why doesn't it talk about the man? That's a question I ask too. You know, the, the truth is that many times in the Old Testament, and I think in the New Testament as well, it does talk about adultery from the perspective of uh, a, a woman uh, going astray and a man being faithful. Now, this does not mean the men are perfect. Here's a reason why I just want to throw out your way. And again, I'm not saying this is by any means the, the reason um, that this was this way. But in the Bible... It is very clear that the children of Israel were called the, the daughter of the Lord, and they're also referred to as his bride, as his wife. In the New Testament, the church is specifically referred to and identified as the bride of Christ and called to be a pure and spotless bride. Throughout the Old Testament, when prophets are decrying the sins of the nation and calling the people to repentance, they constantly use the imagery of, you have gone astray as a harlot. You've gone astray as a, a prostitute um, and left your husband. And so this imagery is used constantly of a wayward wife. And I, I, I think the main reason why, and I want to throw this out your way, is could it be that that illustration is, is almost always told from the perspective of the wife? Because this is what our relationship is to God. As believers, every single one of us are the bride of Christ. We make up that collective body, which is the bride of Christ. And when God's people go astray, it's like a, a faithful husband who has loved his wife. It's like his wife has cheated on him. And that is a very special type of pain. It's a vivid imagery that I think, whether you've gone through that or not, you understand the seriousness and the brokenness and the depth of that there. If you read Hosea, Hosea is an entire book in the Old Testament that pictures literally a prophet that was to go marry a prostitute, and he loved her faithfully, and she kept going wayward uh, to, to go back to prostitutes. She loved it more than him, and it was a picture of God's people and our waywardness. So I just want to throw that out there for those who are saying that the Bible's being sexist. No, I think we need to dive deeper. This was a literal thing that the Israelites practiced. And yes, the husband would practice this. But I want to throw out this next part. If we are going to view it in that theological lens of the fact that we are the bride of Christ and so spiritually we go wayward from him, is it not proper for the Lord Jesus Christ to bring us before the Father? in a spiritual sense and to say hey I'm jealous for my bride and she's going wayward pronounce the curse brothers and sisters is this not what we're doing if you are living a life of adultery and I'm going to probe deeper here it may not be literal adultery with another person other than your spouse it may be Spiritual adultery against the Lord. Are you not, in a sense, drinking the judgment of curse upon yourself every time you partake in the Lord's Supper? I think that we need to consider it in that light. 
and recognize that it is a just thing that there would be a curse, there would be consequences if we are cheating on our Lord and Savior. So I want to leave that with you as the application for today and as, as kind of the theological and doctrinal lens we view this through. The literal interpretation is clearly this was something that was practiced. It was a curse to pronounce, and there were there was a blessing if the, the lady was innocent, and there the blessing was the curse not taking effect, and if she was guilty, the curse would take effect. Spiritually speaking, I think every single one of us can apply this spiritually to our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I even thank you today for what we've seen here in this curse. Father, we don't like curses. We don't like consequences for our actions. But the truth is the consequences are a blessing. And Father, if, if I have been serving an idol, if one of the listeners today, Father, recognizes, convicted by your spirit, that they have been serving an idol rather than you. I pray that they specifically can lay that idol down, repent of their sin, be washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, and, and be healed from the consequences of that sin. Father, I'm reminded of, reminded of David in Psalm 51. Father, he had lost his joy of salvation. There was a curse, a bitterness, if you will, in his life because of his sin. And you forgave him. You restored his joy. You healed him in that sense. Father, there were consequences that he continued to endure. And so I, I pray that today no one listening would misunderstand what I mean about asking for your healing. It'd be great if there is a, a literal, physical problem and you miraculously heal it. And Father, we know your ability is to do so. But we know that the gospel is fundamentally a call to most importantly our wholeness in Christ. Our healing of the most important marring defect on our humanity which is sin. Father, I pray that you would work by your spirit even now in the hearts of one listening today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, thank you for joining us in our Bible study today. Today was a little bit weightier of a topic, but you know what? That's why we study the Bible verse by verse. You know, when I grew up in church, um, I grew up with more topical sermons and, and, and things like that. And I'm not saying that was all bad. I certainly learned some things, um, but such a passion has come to me to study the Word of God, and that's why we have the Gen 1 Revelation 22 Project and, and things like that. And By no means am I the only one. There's, there's a lot of other uh, faithful ministers out there teaching through God's Word verse by verse. But what I love about that is as a minister, preaching and teaching through the Bible and, and teaching through the text forces me to study things that I would just naturally overlook. I would not dive into most likely this passage and study it out and study it all with you if if I was just looking for a topical message. Um, it's almost like that gears me away from, from looking at some things, but I love studying God's Word. I hope you do too. I hope uh, that you are uh, developing a hunger and that you're finding a spiritual hunger for the Lord's Word satisfied as you study His Word. And I pray, too, if you are not part of a local church, please find a Bible-believing, 
Bible-preaching church that, that preaches Jesus Christ alone as Lord and Savior and, and, and get yourself there and accountable uh, to, to godly leadership and to a, a body of believers that can help walk with you and that you can walk with in this life of following Christ. We need each other. We can't do this alone. I, I know the Lord can use studies and, and broadcasts and radio and mo movies and videos and all that stuff. I know the Lord can use all that, books for His glory, but it never replaces the immense blessing that the local church is. Um, today, if you would like to check out, and, and again, as I say in these, there is no pressure. Um, we're just using uh, the free resources of the internet for the most part. I mean, we, I pay a little bit to keep my blog up and running, but for the most part, just using YouTube. And you know, thankfully, there's this podcast service now, Anchor, that we're using that uh, sends it out to a bunch of different podcasting services for free and. Uh, so we're just using these things. I'm just using these things to try to to distribute um, these times in God's Word to more people. And so there is no pressure. But if you would like to support the work of this ministry, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash gen1 to revelation22. Now, we are not a nonprofit. I, I'm not a nonprofit. Um, uh, but you can support the work through that if you would like you can become a patron on there. There's also some other creative ways. Uh, at the time of this recording, at least, I have a, a book reading list on Amazon. And it's set up in such a way that if, if you would like to buy a book that's on my reading list, and, and it's an enormous blessing to me, uh, though that's a big expense many times for ministers, constantly learning and reading. Um, it can add up over the course of a year. But if you would like to buy one of those resources, it will send it to me. And uh, you, you can buy it through Amazon and, and be billed through, through your stuff. Uh, but it would send it directly to me, and that, that's a blessing. So there's that. and uh, Every now and then, find some other creative ways that we can throw out stuff there. Uh, in no way do I want to ask you to tithe or say anything like that. If you would like to support, uh, that is completely a, a giving, a blessing, above and beyond anything else. Uh, again, there's no, no non-profit tax-deductible thing, uh, but it does help uh, keep um, the ability to keep the the website up and going, the blog, and, and just keep going, rolling those things out. So you can check more about that out at gen1to22.com. Uh, find a lot of free resources on there, as well as a few books, a few things uh, that have been published to be resources for the benefit of the, the local church. And um, God bless you all. Look forward to studying with you next time. And let's continue to study His Word and to seek to live for Him, focusing on the mark, which is Jesus Christ, seeking His kingdom and His righteousness until He comes. God bless.